With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dominic Boo, joined again by our Chief United writer, Samuel Luckhurst. We've got lots to get through again on this episode. Another newsy day for United fans. The appointment of Ralph Rangnick has been confirmed as their interim manager until the end of the season. And we'll also react to United's one-all draw at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. Uh, good afternoon to you, Samuel. How are you, uh, how are you coping with this busy time? Yeah, not not bad at all. Fortunately, the the fact that they've announced it before midday helps, and it, it helped immensely. So that the the trains were running, and there was there was no travel chaos um, going to Chelsea or coming back from Chelsea. I think quite a few of us probably feared the worst with the storm and with snow, but no, so, somehow they actually managed to get the trains running yesterday. Yeah, that is a miracle in itself. I think you, you were among the lucky ones coming up from London. I think other people had a had real struggles, but United obviously getting a, a creditable result in. Uh, West London against Chelsea, but the appointment of Ralph Rangnick today, Samuel, being confirmed um, by the club. No surprise in the announcement, really. We, we covered what the job would be um, in last week's podcast on an interim basis for six months and then a consultancy role for two years. Um, but I suppose what he will have watched that performance at Stamford Bridge. He, he will have his own plans about what he's going to introduce. How big a change do you think we will see uh, under Rangnick, whether it's in the short term or, or long term? There could still be some short-term pain there, but long-term gains, or it could be the other way around. I think that's one of the fascinating aspects about his appointment in that he, he's coaching outside of Germany for the first time. It is a bit of a leap into the unknown, even though he's a, a self-confessed Anglophile and he's, he's lived over here. He speaks English fluently. He, he went to university at Sussex, I think, in the late 70s and, and early 80s so his his knowledge of of england is, is bound to be pr- pretty reasonable um, again just reading the pieces that have been done on him in the last few days and people that have actually spoken to him and interviewed him um he's, he's got a pretty unique knowledge of of england to uh, as far as the south goes anyway because that was where he was living in terms of uh, the culture of Manchester, it's it's going to be quite new to him, I imagine, but maybe he'll have one or two zingers prepared for his, his first press conference. It's it's still un, unclear whether that will be on Wednesday or, uh, or or next week because I think that given that they're playing on Thursday, uh, United and then Palace on Sunday, they probably won't have two pre-match press conferences standalone this week. They'll two pre-Palace after the Arsenal game on Thursday night. But I mean, there were, there were obviously there was the theory from Gary Neville on on Sunday that Michael Carrick um, had been told to pick that team by Ralph Rangnick and was just there preaching the gospel of Ralph Rangnick, which I'm sure we'll get onto later on. But was just complete claptrap. Um, the approach from United was was pretty identical to to the Real game. But there will be certain players who will benefit from him coming in. You'd imagine certain players will improve through his. Um, 
through his worldview of football. Um, he, he want his, he's going to want United to run more. They are starting to press in a more coordinated way under Carrick, which would maybe suggest that Solskjaer should have listened to Carrick on, on certain pointers. I think although United's style was not was not a style to really get behind last last week, it was still a step in the right direction and, and they do look a much more organised team as well. And on that evidence, perhaps Carrick should have been listened to um, more by Solskjaer. He's, he's, he's had a quiet authority about him in the last two games. But going back to Ranić, as I said, it's it is a bit of a leap into the unknown. It, it does come with risk, but from a journalistic perspective, certainly, it's it's a fascinating appointment. And I think most of us have liked the cut of the jib of the other German managers who've, who've come to the Premier League in recent years. Yeah, you mentioned there the players who could benefit from from Ranić's manager. And we obviously know that he likes this hard pressing style and intense. Running, I suppose we've we've seen in the last couple of games a, a few players come to the fore who who weren't doing so under Solskjaer. Sancho is the obvious one we, we we've spoken about in the past. I guess Fred, another one who who sort of suits a, a pressing style. The, the big debate after the Chelsea game that we may come on to a little bit more was Ronaldo. I know you tweeted about about this in in depth today, Samuel. It, it seems like this debate is going to to rear its head every time Ronaldo isn't picked and the Roy Keane Carragher popcorn emoji debate as, as I'm going to call it was um, I felt a little bit unnecessary personally but I, I don't know what yeah, you felt yeah. of it and, and what yeah. Ranić will, will feel about such a debate about Ronaldo Well it's a bit confusing why some are still adamant um, that Ronaldo is a problem or the problem when you just look at the evidence he's he scored in the three league wins United have had since he came back to the club Two of them were winners. The other one was an equaliser. His goals in the Champions League are responsible for the 10 points they've accrued in that group and they've won that group. And in the three games he's not started, United haven't won any of them. And I know that there are shades of grey to these debates. And OK, he, he doesn't press, but he didn't press when he was at Real Madrid and Real Madrid won Champions League after Champions League. Jose Mourinho won the title with Ronaldo, not pressing. Carlo Ancelotti won the Champions League with Ronaldo, not pressing. Zinedine Zidane won three Champions Leagues and a La Liga title without Ronaldo pressing. I just can't quite understand the fascination with um, Ronaldo not pressing. Um, United not pressing has been a big problem this season. I know Carrick has tried to downplay it and he's trying to suggest that it's not been as... Um, ramshackle as, as some have suggested but it, it certainly has been for by and large most of this season it has been more coordinated I think since Carrick made, uh, since Carrick took over as the caretaker manager but with Rangnick coming in he's not got the coaching profile or cachet to get away I think with not picking Ronaldo uh, particularly when you look at the alternatives Enson Cavani seems to want to spend more time in Montevideo than in Manchester he's got a fitness issue every five minutes he's missed 11 out of 18 or 19 games already this season Anthony Martial is on borrowed time uh, Mason Greenwood has, has gone cold in Ronaldo's shadow uh, but he's still very very callow and probably not at this stage yet where he can lead the line as a centre forward for United and Marcus Rashford missed the first couple of months of the season through injury and rarely plays through the middle, um, certainly on his own anyway. So I don't know, although you've got options there, they're, they're not um, 
they're not enviable options. They're not trustworthy options. Ronaldo's the greatest goal scorer the game's probably ever had. You've got to you've got to make it work with him. Um, I suppose. I mean, Thomas Tuchel is 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 one of Rangnick's pupils, and Chelsea won the Champions League last season without a striker who who with a striker who can't score goals in Timo Werner. And it obviously got them to to achieve their objective, and they surprised most by actually winning the Champions League. But come the summer, what do they do? They go out and sign a goal scorer in Romelu Lukaku, and we can debate Lukaku's uh, recent drought. I know he's been injured for over a month, and he's only just come back. But he, he, his goal scoring drought was going on before then. But he is someone who is a reliable goal scorer by and large. Timo Werner isn't, and. That's what I mean in terms of a knockout competition. Yes, you might be able to get away with not playing your main figurehead and finding a workaround with it because that's that's the beauty of of cup football. But in a league campaign, you will get found out. And it's okay. You can point to the games United have lost this season and Ronaldo hasn't scored in in them and what have you. But he has been the least of their problems in those games. Let's be honest. When you see the amount of goals they've conceded. Four against Leicester, four against Watford, five against Liverpool. City showed them mercy um, by only scoring two past, by only putting two past them. The defence has been the problem there. Rafael Varane's injury has been the problem. I agree with what Ty said a couple of weeks ago that Varane was arguably a bigger miss to to United than Ronaldo because although Ronaldo might score a goal here and there, United was ship, shipping goals by the bucket load until they they tried to plug the gaps last week and. Going back to Rangnick's coaching profile, Ronaldo has seen has seen off managers with a much bigger profile and with much bigger egos than Ralph Rangnick in his career. And I don't think United would have hired Ralph Rangnick if he outlined his style of play to them and said, "Well, Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't doesn't fit in here either." Um, and I think maybe a little bit as a little bit much has been made of this this answer Rangnick gave. Um, to a journalist a few years ago when he was rather rather daftly asked the question would you sign who would you sign Messi or Ronaldo and he was the the sporting director at RB Leipzig and he said neither they're too old wage cap uh, it's, it's just a strange question to ask I mean as if, as if Ronaldo or Messi would ever want to go to Leipzig anyway so um, I, I can see when R- Rangnick is actually asked about it he'll probably give quite an upbeat diplomatic answer about Ronaldo if he doesn't then it's it's going to be a very very interesting watch. Yeah, it certainly will be. It was interesting in itself that Ronaldo was left on the bench against Chelsea. We might, we might as well get onto the Chelsea game in itself, Samuel. I mean, there were there were parts, especially in the first half, where I, I couldn't believe the social media reaction from fans to the performance. There seemed to be a, some sort of theory that this was a Carrick tactical masterclass and that United were, were nullifying <laughs> what Chelsea were doing, but. Wow. As far as I could see it, I thought Chelsea were, were miles on top and United were incredibly lucky when they went 1-0 up through Sancho. And um, although I personally thought the penalty was questionable, you couldn't debate that Chelsea deserved the goal. But what did you make of it? It was interesting to see United even play without a striker, really. And I actually thought they looked a little bit tactically confused by that, by that setup in the first half. Well, the game plan was identical to the Villarreal game, as I said earlier. I mean, Gary Neville's crackpot theory just didn't didn't carry any weight before the game. It certainly didn't when the game started. Ronaldo was in the mouth of the tunnel uh, 
seconds before the halftime whistle when he was warming up at halftime. He warmed up again almost as soon as the second half restarted. The game plan clearly was to be compact, see it through to halftime with a clean sheet, stay in the game, and then here's the greatest goal scorer in the game's history to come off the bench and possibly um, win the game. So I, I think what Carrick was, was looking to do was just call on the cavalry like he did in Spain and then... United would maybe um, you know seize the day and, and and get the win. I suppose ironically, by going one nil up, um, it maybe prevented their chance of of winning the game because that delayed Ronaldo's substitution uh, coming into it. And when he did come on, they were one nil up, and the dynamic of the game had shifted, and that they were they were defending a lead, and th- that 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 lead was very very narrow, just just on the face of it. Never mind the way they were playing, and Chelsea were penning them in. Um, quite quickly after that, even though there was certainly a bit of a gasp once or twice when United would embark on another counter-attack because that's how they got the goal. But it was telling that United's only attempts on target in that game came from two passes from Chelsea players. Obviously, Jorginho when he gifted it to Sancho and then Mendy when his pass was intercepted by Fred. They, They had no attacking threat whatsoever with Ronaldo on the pitch other than the goal, which I know is a strange thing to say, but that goal was a consequence of an egregious error by Jorginho. And in the first half, as you say, Although there were things about United set up that were admirable and this tactical flexibility that Carrick is trying to um, to implement is is, ad- is is laudable as well. But they got away with a couple of, of openings there, N- not just the hudson Adoy one early on, but Tellez got caught out once or twice. The, there, were const- there were certain instances where the cross would come in and there wouldn't be uh, someone to put the ball away. They, they were fortunate that Timo Werner was playing really, and and Chelsea's yeah. front three was arguably their reserve front three as well, uh, which I, I, I can imagine quite a lot of Chelsea fans are are quite eager to point out. So again, it, it was one of those games that if United conceded first, I think they'd have been in trouble, and I don't think they'd have got anywhere near to winning the match. Maybe not even salvaging the match with a draw, but getting a draw away at Chelsea in a week where they won at Villarreal and top the Champions League group, they would have absolutely taken that at the start of the week. And Carrick's tactical breakdown after the game was was insightful in that he he's, he's completely aware of United's shortcomings and their inability to control games. Uh, I think idealistically he wanted them to, to hide the ball from Chelsea. That was the phrase he used. But they just don't have the capabilities to do that. And they were never going to do that yesterday either. And I suppose they were somewhat fortunate that Chelsea had quite a lot of regulars unavailable um, through injury or, or they were on the bench and not quite fully fit. I suppose United had their own injury issues or suspension issues and to, to have only conceded a penalty at Chelsea with Lindelof and Bay as their centre-backs is is reasonable going. But uh, with, with the Solskjaer precedent of giving a caretaker manager a job after really impressive wins... Particularly in the PSG game, uh, quite fortuitous circumstances. At least United, had they actually somehow won that game yesterday, there wouldn't have been a clamour afterwards to give Carrick more time or give <laughs> Carrick the job until the end of the season, because that they would for, for Chelsea yesterday. That was two points dropped. No matter how Carrick tried to depict it afterwards as him being disappointed in United only getting a point from that game, I think deep down he'll have been quite pleased.
both the, the Villarreal and, and Chelsea games were sort of holding performances, weren't they, more than anything? Yes. It, it was about getting back to basics. You know, you yeah. know, the defence did do quite well against Chelsea, even though, as you say, it was three of the of the first-choice back four um, missing for the game. So, certainly, if it was a if it was a Rangnick tactic, um, I'd be very, very surprised because I think he's known for playing a very high line, isn't he? And sometimes that United defence is virtually on its own six-yard line for a yeah. lot of times in the first half, especially. Um, what could change then against Arsenal? If, if we don't know quite yet if if Rangnick will be in the dugout for that. I know there's work permit issues, uh, visa issues for him to to negotiate. Um, so if it is Rangnick against Arsenal, what what can you see changing? It, it needs to be it needs to be major change, really, doesn't it? Well, they've got to be more front-footed, even though they're coming up against a team who've been in pretty good form the last couple of months or so. As you said, going back to this this nonsense that it was a Rangnick side yesterday. I mean, Tuchel was asked afterwards, did that resemble a Ralph Rangnick side? And it was, he was tr- struggling to suppress laughter as he just repeatedly said no, despite guys Patrick Davis and keep on going on about it because it was almost as if he felt obliged to pedal this theory that Neville had cooked up on on Twitter. But I don't think Ralph Rangnick, who's all about uh, counter-pressing when you've got the ball, well, sorry, when you've not got the ball, would be picking a 33-year-old Nemanja Matic against Chelsea. Um, I think anyone with any remote awareness of how Rangnick likes to play would have dismissed Neville's um, analysis from the start of it. And, and Neville was becoming quite desperate in trying to you know, show, show support that people were giving his his theory, whether it was retweeting someone who said they were surprised that um, Carrick was being credited for picking the team. What, what's there to be surprised about? He's, he's the caretaker manager of Man United. Of course, he picked the team. Um, United have even this morning had to clarify that because Darren Fletcher was wearing an earpiece, he wasn't in contact with Ralph Rangnick during the game. Now, to any knowledgeable football observer who watches the game properly or goes to games you know that he's in communication in dialogue with the analysts at a game yet it seems as though someone um has suggested that he was on the phone to Ralph Ray. it's Ralph just an Ray. obvious sort of la- lazy thing to, to clutch at I suppose isn't it when when people are looking out for rang hints we know that he's on the way during a game so people are desperately trying to, to sort of find something some sort of connection I guess yeah I mean it was, it was almost as if like it it was like a Jedi master using the force to impart his wisdom <laughs> to the apprentice or something like that. It's just absolute claptrap, but somebody's actually seriously suggested that as well. So, um, yeah. we know Ragnik is powerful. We don't know if he's that powerful. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but that's, that's the pitfalls of, of modern day punditry, unfortunately. So, uh, I, I digress, but go to the Arsenal game. They, they do need to be more front foot and positive. I suspect Maguire will return, even though Bailly had a good game. It'll be interesting to see whether it is Bailly who comes out because he's had four starts this season. I'd say he's played well in three of them. Unfortunately, the one he didn't play well in, he scored an Yeah, I said to Ty at Chelsea, I turned to him and I said, Bailly hasn't done anything wrong yet. Knowing full well, there could be an occasion where, as often is the case, he just... Um, self-implodes and there was an instance in the second half where I think he called to clear the ball but Matic was in his way and neither of them cleared it and yes, it yeah. might have been Werner who ran off the ball but it, it, 
didn't come to anything. But unfortunately, you, you get that with Bayern. That's why he's probably never going to be a starting centre-back again for United when, when all the centre-backs are fit. But look, if, if Rangnick comes in even tomorrow, he's not got a lot of time to impart his wisdom on those players. The players who played... Uh, that the majority yesterday or a significant amount yesterday will have recovery sessions today or they'll be on a day off. Uh, the, the players who didn't play, most of them probably won't play on Thursday either. So then it's mainly a full session tomorrow, a full session on the Wednesday. And then depending on whether Rangnick's in or not, there could be alternative arrangements made on, on the day of the game in that usually they're at the hotel at lunchtime, they have their pre-match meal there and their team meeting there. Maybe he wants to do something different and you know bring a bring a different atmosphere to the club. He, he'll have his own methods that you would imagine will quite will will differ quite drastically from Solskjaer. But he he he'd be coming. He's been parachuted in anyway, and and that's very much the case with this Arsenal game. But whether it's Rangnick, whether it's Carrick, you would think Ronaldo has to start. I, I thought that peculiar thing about Ronaldo's demotion at Chelsea was that it was it was five days after they last played and they've got another game in four days so in terms of the time to drop him for a game and particularly given that they were playing against Chelsea it didn't make a great deal of sense in that if you're trying to protect protect him mid concerns of conditioning possibly it's not like it's a game slap bang in the middle of a game two days or three days later and they played three days beforehand or anything like that. There was quite a lot of breathing space between the Real and the Chelsea games and then the Chelsea game and the Arsenal game. So if, if Ronaldo isn't starting on, on Thursday, then it, it, it will be a genuine issue. At the moment, I don't think it's much of an issue. I just think it was uh, Carrick maybe miscalculating there. And as I said, United didn't didn't have any didn't bear any threat on Chelsea's goal until Jorginho gifted them the ball. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have thought that the defence will stay as it is, even though it did quite well. You wouldn't have thought the midfield will stay as uh, that three sort of very defensive minded three that it, that it ended up as, which sort of brought Fred into attacking positions which maybe he wasn't suited to. You would think that Fernandez would drop deeper or Van der Beek would come in and that Ronaldo would play as as the as the main striker. Arsenal. Are, are, they have, like you say, they're in good form, but they have plenty of weaknesses that United can exploit. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's still a bit peculiar that Aaron Ramsdale's getting um, all this acclaim at the moment, isn't it? Given you, you've got to be judged on what you're doing, and 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 he is he's playing well. He's he's had a very good season so far. Um, I I still think we're in the realms of, of purple patch with him or honeymoon period, whatever phrase you want to use. But Arsenal are a different entity from the team at the start of the season and there were various issues there, granted. But what you saw in that game against Brentford, the City game, that, that was Arsenal. That's, they've been synonymous with that for the best part of the decade. They've, they've been thrashed by just about every major side they've come up against at one point or another and they got another thrashing the other week against... Um, against Liverpool at Anfield, which is, isn't a disgrace, I suppose, but... If, if you still have aspirations to get in, back into the top four and you're getting battered 4-0 at Anfield and it's it's not seen as a big deal, then there's there's still something fundamentally wrong there. And United have got this peculiar record of since Wenger uh, left Arsenal that they've never actually beaten them in the league. And, and the two games last season were two of the worst in, in, 
in that crowd for some reason. The, 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 the away game at the Emirates was particularly bad. I mean, going to Chelsea yesterday was a reminder of how of, of the drudgery that United and Chelsea served up in those two games last season. So it just goes to show you when you have got a crowd present, it, it, it's, it, it can very, very easily lift an occasion. Yesterday felt like an occasion in comparison to the game there between the teams in in February, I think it was. But Arsenal have, have, have picked up. They, they've, they've got, I think, three or four really good players that could be the basis of their next good side, their next competitive side, if they get the rest of the recruitment right and Arteta um, gets his decision-making right. He's, he's been doing well in recent months. It's It's been good going after that chastening start. But United, despite the record against Arsenal in, in recent years and despite Arsenal's form, they, they can't, they can't show an inferiority complex like they did against Chelsea. Fair enough, against Chelsea, I, I think Carrick's tactics were an admission that we're nowhere near as good as this side at the moment. Chelsea have got the momentum. Chelsea have got the confidence. We've got to go toe-to-toe with them in a way that we might not like, but it might see us through the game. And I think that's, to be honest, I think that's, that's quite admirable coaching and that he's not just this idealistic coach who's going to, preach preach the gospel of uh, you know o- open football and beautiful football and get battered three nil or four nil you've got to have a few strings to your bow and he's been managed by a unique set of coaches whether it's Ferguson Moyes Mourinho Van Gaal there's a lot to take from each of them Solskjaer obviously he worked with and there was a bit of the Mourinho about United's approach yesterday and, and also to a lesser extent Van Gaal with the the goalless first half. It was, it was just that United didn't didn't have any of the ball. But you would hope that after two away games where they've got two very creditable results, Arsenal's the first of three home games on the spin. They need to really raise morale even more by actually going on a more, uh, by, by adopting a more adventurous style. Yeah, that home form certainly needs to be addressed in the coming weeks. It does feel like the Arsenal one is quite a difficult one to call, actually. So I will ask you for a prediction, Samuel, because I didn't ask you on the, on the last podcast. But um, it feels like one where you could just say draw and you probably won't be wrong because it'll probably be a narrow win either way or a draw. It, it does It does have the makings of it. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine Carrick's probably even filed his, his programme notes for, for the game, given that Arsenal like like newspapers sorry not Arsenal United like like newspapers do do have early deadlines when it comes to the program but if 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 uh, Rangnick does give get his governing uh, body endorsement which is effectively the work permit that's required from uh from people overseas to work in in English football now post Brexit then that that might be might be the clincher. It, it, that might convert it from a draw into a win because it's going to lift the place. Uh, I think a lot of fans, most of the fans, are quite eager to hear the cut of Ragnick's jip. They've they've seen his videos online on the coach's voice and various YouTube videos, and he talks a really good game. It's it's time to see United, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk uh, to match it. So. I'll I'll say rather it's I'd a Rangnick like to... and a non-Rangnick prediction coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if it's non-Rangnick, I'll go with a draw. If it is Rangnick, I'll go with a win, which is probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But in, in fairness, when I saw the Chelsea team yesterday, um, uh, amazingly, I, I didn't actually think United. I, I thought United might get a draw there. I didn't think Chelsea's team was particularly um, 
particularly intimidating, which again is, is just a testament to Tuchel's brilliant coaching that sometimes it doesn't matter as to who the individuals are. It's the, the emphasis is very much on the collective with him. Yeah, it's probably a good note to finish with. That's probably something that United need to emphasise themselves over the yeah. coming months under Ralph Rangnick's management. We'll, we'll have to see how the Arsenal game pans out with or without Rangnick. You may, you may well know whether he's going to be in the dugout by the time you listen to this podcast, but we'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much, um, Samuel, for your contributions today. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it as always. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back for another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast very soon. Please leave us a like and a subscribe. I'm listening again soon. Cheers.